This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. It's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today. All right, everybody, we're here for a very special podcast. We have not one, but two people as our guests. One, Jimmy Yuski, the other, Pete Amorosi, both were the finalists in the 2020 Fall Challenge. Now, this challenge is a little different than normal. Normally in our challenges, we have guys, they make the challenge, and they'll be a challenge holder. He'll hold the belt, and he holds on to that belt until he loses that belt from someone else making the challenge. This year, given some weird circumstances because of COVID, we decided to do it a little differently. So what we did was we made an actual schedule, a 12-week schedule, kind of like the NFL. Imagine the NFL was 12 weeks. We had everybody compete against each other, sometimes one time, sometimes two times, depending on who showed up, who didn't. But there was an actual schedule written out. Then after the season was done, after the regular season was done, we seeded all these guys, uh, one through 12. Actually, it might have been like one through 14. We put them in an NCAA-style bracket, and then winner takes all. So, Jimmy, Peter, I'm sorry, Pete, these were the two guys that made it to the end. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Coach. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, guys. I want to just – I'm going to ask you guys a couple of questions about the general program, and then we're going to do a week-by-week breakdown of everything that happened. So, Jimmy, what is uh, what did you think about this new format? How did it compare to the old? Personally, I, I – I liked it um, a lot more than the old format just because everyone there was basically competing um, unless you had a bye week or your, your opponent didn't show up. So really got everyone involved. And I mean, I, I think it was just a ton of fun. You know, all the guys were really into it, rooting on each other and just all amped up because they knew they had to compete at the end of the workout. So I thought it was great. And Pete, if there was something that you could change about the format, what would it be? Um, I, I think that you actually catered to people too much in terms of the beginning, trying to figure out when people were going to be off and not showing up. And you try to make the schedule revolve around them. But I just think that next time to make your life easier and to make it more realistic, you just send out the schedule. And if someone can't make it, that's on them rather than be uh, catered to if they know their schedule in advance. And it's a, it's a good point. So what Pete is referring to is like, you know, I have a whole new respect for anyone who makes any schedule, let alone an NFL schedule, but tried to put together a 12-week, 14-person schedule to make sure that guys would actually be there. And I started asking them, when can't you be there and putting in bye weeks? And some guys were cool. They, they told me when they wouldn't be there. We made some adjustments. Some guys forgot until like the day before telling me there's some sort of like massive fishing trip. So we had to do all these uh, sorts of changes. So yeah, duly noted so for this next season that we're going to have, we're going to do a very similar format. If you can't make it, you can't make it too bad. 
Now, now, Pete, you had another recommendation for next season with respect to the actual creation of the challenges. What was it? Yeah, I think um, so. My recommendation was I said rather than Coach Mahoney picking the challenges, why not give the participants, people uh, engaging in the challenges, why not give them the freedom to make a challenge each? And this way, they still have their creative mind about them, and it'll just—I think—it'll just add a little bit more excitement to it once we find out whose challenge it is. Um, so I, I just think that at this point, we all know things that we're strong at, um, and we know different challenges, and we all have different techniques that we can use, and, and different challenges that to, that are to our benefit. So I think that it's—it'll uh, be a lot f- more fun when we have our own challenges out there. I love the idea. First of all, selfishly it was kind of another mental fatigue challenge for me to come up with something new slash interesting slash fair every week. And secondly, I love to see how you guys think. So we, we've already implemented that change. We're starting the 2021 season in a few weeks. We have guys t- right now telling me the challenges they want. We're going to put it into our wheel of spin. I'll have Mrs. Mahoney spin the wheel every week. And then whatever it lands on, that's the challenge we're going to do. And I really am so impressed by the, not only the creativity you guys have, but the, I'll say the lack of insanity. I was expecting a lot more stupid challenges, but these are all very clever clever and very doable. So I'm impressed. Great idea, Pete. Great idea. So, Jimmy, is there a, a challenge that was out there that was your least favorite? And which, if, it, if there was, which one was it? Yeah, I would personally say the championship challenge. Um, just because I, I felt ultimately it came down to something that was pretty trivial. You know, when thinking about how we train as a whole, you know, it, to me, it came down to essentially who could tie a better knot around soccer goalposts with a metal chain. Um, but I mean, look, spoiler alert, I, I won because I tied a, a, a better knot. Um, and then Pete took a little while longer to untangle it. But, you know, I, I guess I wanted to to have it where I where, where we went up, you know, physically uh, our skills would would kind of go up against each other a little bit more than it did and granted the last couple ladders of the challenge itself was was pretty grueling i'm not gonna lie but that first part i think you know would would give someone a significant edge and to me it was just a little trivial but i mean overall it is really hard to knock many of the challenges at all um it's just really honestly it's just nitpicking so, Pete, right after the challenge was over, you said, uh, Coach, that was dangerous. What was dangerous about it? So, the, so at the second point of the challenge, well, actually the third point, the first point would be uh, unraveling the chain. Second point would be uh, running with the sled. And then the third point was the farmer's walk. But due to me being behind Jimmy, Jimmy was way ahead of me at that point. I said, the only way I'm going to win this is if I don't pick clips on the farmer's walk. And... Once I was started running, I got about 20 to 30 yards and I noticed that the weight was sliding off. And my fear, I, I, I been, began to fear for my life, actually, that one side was going to fall off. And as a result, the other side would drop to the floor and I would get hit in the face with the side with no weight on it anymore and probably lose a tooth or two. So at that point, you know, it's not it's not normal for you to do anything without safety first like clips even when we were training in the gym you always the the number one rule is you always have to use clips i don't care what the weight is i don't care what you're doing so that's why i I thought it was pretty dangerous that you gave us that option so yeah and uh i guess it was let me let me take a massive step back i wasn't really planning on getting into the finals but uh jimmy yuski showed us why he'll never be writing murder mystery movies (laughs) telling us the end and the whodunit but 
So backtrack for people that weren't there. Here was the exact challenge. Both guys got a chain. They had two minutes to tie that chain around a pole. Then after the two minutes were over, they switched sides. They had to unravel the chain as fast as they possibly could. So Jimmy's right. Whoever could tie a better knot, that gives him an advantage. There's also an advantage to who can untie a knot, right? And I've just, part of me picking this part of the challenge was that it was just always annoying to me during training that people never wanted to put the chain on the sled when we had a sled pull. Like they just didn't want to do it. The chain would sit on the floor or sit in the bucket the whole time. And I do remember one time that Pete really did a great job of getting a knot out. And he was like, yeah, I work at a jewelry store. This is what I do. So I was like, this is pretty cool to actually put these guys in this position, not knowing that Pete was going to be in the finals. This is just something I had come up with a while before that. So I'm like, this is pretty cool. And I want to reinforce that if it happens during training, maybe we help the skill set. Anyway, after you get the chain off, you then take that chain to a sled, the sled sitting about 17 yards away from where the pole was. You attach that t- chain to a sled. That sled has 140 pounds of weight on it. Now you have to drag that sled in any way that you want to the middle of the field. So you're dragging it to the 50 yard line. You're going to take all the weight off that sled. You're going to put it on a farmer's walk. Now, both guys have the same exact drill set up. In the middle of the farmer's walk, I put four handles. And I said to the guys, you can take as you can only take a maximum of two, but you don't have to take any. Kind of not assuming that one of you would actually not take any. It was kind of like a an old bait and switch and a pretty insane Pete that you did it with neither. Then you have to farmers walk that weight the other 50 yards of the field. So for, for me, yeah, there's a drag, which we've done. There's a farmer's carry, which we've done. The, the, the chain untangling is a whole other element. And just so you guys can get in my head, why do I do stuff like this is I really love to mesh the mind with the body because I feel like uh, just like if you're playing a sport, if you're playing football, if you're playing basketball, you have to make immediate decisions with your mind at the same exact time you're doing something physically. And decisions are always harder when you're tired or there's pressure or you, or there's, you, know, you have your nerves going. So I love to see you guys put to like a completely different level outside of your comfort zones. So uh, that was it. That was the challenge. We will come back later to more on that challenge. Yeah. And we're going to do this uh, Breaking Bad style. So we started with the end. We're going to go back to the beginning. So what I want to do, guys, is I want to go week by week and get your thoughts on what was going on with each one of these challenges. So week one, we're coming out of the gate. Pete, first off, what was the uh, the fishing trip that you, Baraji, and Blanco went on that kept made you guys all have a forced bye week? Uh, so it was actually a trip. Uh, it wasn't a fishing trip. It was a boat trip that was supposed to be a previous weekend, but it happened to rain that weekend. We had about like 40 people on the boat. So uh, no no good excuse there. Nothing that, uh, nothing that I'm proud of, but we, we enjoyed ourselves nevertheless. And we're socially distant. Love it. Okay. <laughs> Jimmy, you are in this challenge. The challenge is a 40-yard low-handle prowler to a 40-yard farmer's walk. Now, the reason I picked this challenge is that, yeah, it stinks to do either one of those. And we never really go from a prowler to a farmer's walk. It's usually in the opposite order. So my thought was these guys are going to get tired. They're going to have a lack of oxygen by pushing that low-handle prowler. And now they're going to have to stand up and carry that farmer's walk. Jimmy, you are, as you already spoiled for us, the champ. But you lose in round one to Mario Mock. What happened? Yeah. Um, like you said, Coach, I think you were spot on with tiring us out after that low handle prowler. That's probably by far one of the more grueling things we, we do um, for most of us. And to go from there to a, a heavy farmer's walk um, that weighs more than me, 
you know, and that's my weakest, um, I would say my weakest part of my arsenal when it comes to the tough man. Um, it, it got to me, um, and I wasn't happy about the results. I, I mean, losing to, to mock, he's, he's a great challenger, but I knew I had to, uh, step my game up a bit after that one. But I mean, it was just the farmer's walk. I was one, that's my weakest. And two, I was not expecting to be as tired getting to it, um, as I was. So it was kind of a double blow there. I'm going to add a, a quadruple blow, triple blow mock had his coming out of retirement <laughs> beats you. And then the quadruple blow, he's wearing sneakers, not cleats, which is really impressive. Yep. yep. Sorry to quadruple blow and down. He probably has about 30 pounds on me. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to, so you start off your own one. We're going into week two. Amorosi has a scheduled buy. So we're two weeks in. Amorosi hasn't even been in the challenge. The challenge is the infamous Prowler Slalom. So you have to slalom around cones with the Prowler. If you hit a, a cone, you get a penalty. I can't remember what it was at that point. When you're done with this diagonal slalom around, usually the Prowler we do is just verticals, north, south, north, south. That's it. Now we're actually trying to be a dexterous and not hit a cone. When you're done, you have to throw this Prowler across the line, sprint five yards to your right, pick up off-the-ground sliders. Then you have to sprint 10 yards back to your left, go down, put the sliders down, and then do a 15-yard slider. You make a not only a not only do you win against Baraji, you have an, the best time of the day. So talk me through that one. Why why are you so good at this compared to everybody else? Um, I, I would say just to you know baseline it like every every challenge each week as we're going through these, my adrenaline is like pumping through my skull at the end of these workouts, ready to go into these challenges. You know, after the challenge is done, I'm so mentally and physically fatigued. It's just like, I'm just so washed out. But for some reason, the slalom was like, by far and away, like the most, I wouldn't say, um, I guess, intense when you're looking at it on the surface coach, at least to me, you know, you're seeing these guys pivot a prowler through cones diagonally. Uh, much like a skier with slalom, uh, you know, down downhill. And honestly, I just at attacked it. I think, you know, at that point, Coach, I was getting confident in my um, strength levels with the with the Prowler, uh, just going through my, my workouts. Um, and really, it, I had no experience pivoting this Prowler, but you kind of know once you get to that first cone, you know, whether or not you're doing it right. And I, I felt like I found the magic spot to pivot that front of the prowler around that cone. And I was able to replicate that th for the rest of the cones. You know, I, I guess I was a little lucky to, to, to know where to turn that prowler um, around that first cone. And that gave me the confidence, the boost I needed to, to get through the rest. And then, you know, once you hand off that prowler, you got to run to some sliders. And I've been doing a lot of sprint work with you leading up to there. So my confidence was high there too. So sprinted to get the sliders, sprinted back. And, you know, sliders is one of my favorite things to do. Um, so I just threw those puppies down and, and, and went. I, I like to add variables in to, to kind of even out the playing field. So Trunzo, challenge champ, a previous challenge champ, week one, he sets the, the best time all day by far. He beat you by almost seven seconds. Yep. This week he's doing great, except he loses not one but two prowl sorry two sliders. Yep. He ends up losing to Moresco. 
So uh, it, it's a big deal to add in that to me that those variables. Now, the other question I have for you, is it secretly tiring? Like, how, is this hard to do or is it just mentally tiring? No, it, it's I think it's both. I think that's a great example of a challenge where it's both mentally and, and physically draining, because when you when you hand that prowler off after the the, the slalom, you, you have jelly legs. I mean, most most of all of us do. And, and you're kind of zigzagging your way to the sliders and over to the other side of the field. So, you know, you're tired, you're fatigued. And I know sliders aren't the easiest thing for most of the guys. Um, luckily, you know, I've had, I feel like I'm strong at them. So, you know, I think at that point, more other guys than me would probably be even more exhausted, you know, throwing those sliders down and going as quickly as possible. All right. We're getting into week three. Now Amorosi is supposed to go against Carpentieri. Amorosi, you are not there. What happened? <laughs> yeah, I, I had an excuse accent, uh, absence. Actually, I was on vacation, so I completely missed that week. So that puts me at a three-week uh, slow start, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, n- non-competitive uh, first three weeks for Amorosi, and yet he makes it all the way to the championship. We'll get back to that soon. So here is the challenge. Both guys have to throw a medicine ball, right? So they throw a medicine ball. We mark off how far it goes. Then... One at a time, not at the same time, a guy will sit on a – they have to actually sit – I'm sorry, get next to this sled. Sorry, bucket. They sprint as fast as they can around that medicine ball and back to that bucket. Then they sit on that bucket, and now they pull a sled, which is 25 yards away from that bucket, which had 160 pounds on it. So Yuski goes against Morano. Morano is obviously a beast. People counting Yuski out, assuming that he's not going to be able to pull this 25-yard sled with 160 pounds on it. The sled has always been his nemesis. He's awful at it. And Morano is just a dude, man. The guy can probably uh, pull the thing with his pinkies. But before you even get there, Yuski, I got to say that the two, two guys are now showing up. Trunzo, the, the, a challenge champ, he sets the best time of the day, 25.6. And now literally just showing up for the first time all season is Joe Sarno. He gets a close second, 25.9. But Jimmy, your time is much worse than theirs. It's about nine, six, let's say about eight seconds worse than theirs. But you beat Morano by a solid six seconds. What do you think gave you the leverage over Morano in this specific challenge? If I remember correctly, Morano's overhead med ball throw, um, it kind of slipped out of his hands and he wasn't able to get that downfield as far as he wanted to um, for me to capture it. So I think that gave me, you know, a advantage because I didn't have to run as far to the ball. Um, and, and again, I think just sprinting, helping, you know, sprinting in general and, and increasing my speed in the months leading up to this challenge season, I think helped, you know, I had to run a shorter distance, but I was able to do it in such a burst that got the ball, came back quickly. And then, uh, yeah, you're right. It probably took me very, very long to pull that sled in, but I think the combination of, the slip on the, the med ball throw and, and just my speed burst, you know, getting there and back helped give me the edge in this one. The worst part of this whole entire setup was resetting up the drill. If you remember, we had to pull the yep. sled back 25 yards. It was a nightmare. And unfortunately, I won't say who, someone picked this for the 2021 season. It's a great challenge, but I'm mentally and emotionally preparing everybody. It's going to be a nightmare. I secretly <laughs> hope that half the guys don't show up so that we don't have to Reset this uh, sled 16 times. Okay, we're going into week three. Week four. 
Sorry, week four, Amorosi finally is and is part of a challenge. So, Pete, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you talk through this entire thing because uh, <laughs> there was a little controversy around this challenge. I'm, I'm gonna explain what this is. It was a five yard shuttle. So normally, if we're doing a tough man, it's 15 yards. Now it's only five. So you're gonna do a five yard slider to a five yard farmer's walk to a five yard prowler to a five yard sl- slider. The the trick was or the catch was that. Between the drills, the length of the entire thing, we, we spread out the between the drill part. It's usually like eight yards between each drill. Now it was the entire length of the field. So you got to basically do this whole thing the entire length of the field. So while the depth of it was five yards, the width was the entire length of the field. Now, Pete, what was the, uh, the controversy of this challenge? <laughs> so the caveat is that we started this challenge <laughs> on, the goal, on the goal line, essentially. So there's in the middle of a field there was a soccer field in the middle of the field is a big net um that if you're going across the full width of the field there might be a point where you have to run around that net um and i believe at the time there was actually a net on the on the goalpost, so you couldn't run through it and the problem with this challenge and coach i love you but this is probably the most uh uneven challenge that you've ever come up with (laughs) ever is that when your competitor, if he's going the opposite way, because you're not doing the um, the events there and back, you're just doing it one way. So one person has to go around the goalpost, whereas the other person could go in a straight line and not hit anything and avoid the goalpost, depending on who goes first versus second. So I got extremely unlucky. And I think everyone that, if I remember correctly, everyone that's that had to go around the goalpost lost because they had a yes. they had to go in yes. a semicircle around the goalpost. Um, and I was I was very upset about this because I was so close to Moresco and I had a what I thought was a pretty decent time. I think I'm looking at now I was third out of everyone that went. And regardless, um, you know, I still had to go over around that goalpost. So. Um, nothing against you, coach, but this is uh, not one of your better works. So uh, what would they say in Game of Thrones that Ned Stark said anytime somebody says, but everything after it is like uh, <laughs> bullshit or something like that. So you are correct. It was unfair. Uh, speaking of my own defense, the way these challenges were always done. If you were the lower seed, you went first. If you were the higher seed or vice versa, if you're the higher seed, you go first and you're the lower seed, you go second. So it really came down to it, a better win loss coming in. So yes, someone did have an advantage. It wasn't fair at all. Uh, and you did lose by 0.5 seconds, which probably <laughs> was the difference of running around that post or not. I actually had a run on the rocks, I believe. Not So I wasn't, yes, I w- you- I wasn't running because I decided to go behind the goalpost where most people went in front of it on the turf. And it actually was better that I went behind it, but I was running on rocks with cleats. So uh. <laughs> it was a valiant effort, though. But you come out of the gate uh, 0-1 and we're four weeks yep. in. Jimmy, you win. You beat Baraji. And now we you're 3-1. and one. So we're coming, at it, coming into week five. Jimmy's three and one, uh, Pete's yes. all in one, and now we go into week five. Yeah, and I think coach, that was I had the top time that week too, or second top time, and I, I kind of let's just say I was starting to get pretty confident in myself after after this one. I, I I was really feeling good after after this one. And Jimmy, what did your style of training change somewhere along the line? Um, you know, if, if you want, we can go back to it later, coach you know, after we go through the week by week, but I, I, I do think it played a, a big role in my success in the challenge this year. Yes. Okay. We're going to go back to then week five. So week five was a, 
I'm not going to say, I'll give you the PG version of what I called the next few rounds of what was going on. So it was just me being bitter. I had tried <laughs> to uh, sell guys a kettlebell. I bought one. It never came. I had to pay for it. Then I bought a second one. It did come. Then I never got my money back for the kettlebell, and then it came. So now I had two kettlebells. I don't need them. I tried to sell it to people in the crew for the exact price I bought it from, and people were accusing me of trying to rob them of what it was. <laughs> Not to mention that when the lockdowns of the gyms happened again, people started asking me if they, if I could, if they could buy my kettlebell, and I said no, out of spite. So I have another yes. one. Yeah, I knew it was out of spite. It is out of spite, and it will remain in my garage until the end. <laughs> Having said that, the point of this drill was to use both kettlebells. So it was a 100-yard shuttle. You sprint without a kettlebell. You pick up a kettlebell. You run back. You pick up a second kettlebell. You run back. You drop off one of the kettlebells. You run back. You drop off the other kettlebell. You run back. And the point is, well, one of the points is you can't drop the kettlebell either on the floor at any point. You have to keep, say, I start with my right hand. I have to keep it in my right hand the whole time until I place it back down. And when I place it back down, it cannot fall. So, Pete... You go against uh, the infamous Demunda, the rookie, the 19-year-old coming, sh- literally coming straight from some club or something to every one of these sessions, <laughs> and this rookie upstart beats you. How is that possible? Uh, honestly, I, I, I haven't been able to wrap my head around it. We actually repeated this challenge in the postseason, and my time was better, but Demunda still would have beat me. So even the second round through, he had he put up a great time, and just, just kudos to him for – uh, being able to do this challenge well. I mean, I, I guess uh, I guess it's, he's faster than me, and I really think this challenge comes down to speed. Um, a lot of it, even though Moresco had a great time, uh, a great uh, yeah, a great time in in, in this event. But I, I really don't know. So, but kudos to Demanda. He won fair and square, and uh, you know, congrats to him. And then I started off zero and two after this. You started off zero and two. I'll come back. Well. I'll talk about that in a few minutes, but, and I think the month is actually pretty fast. You know, people give him a lot of garbage for his poor running form, but he's actually pretty fast. Yep. So Yuski, you, uh, your competitor did not show up. Joe Derrida had a wedding, but for some reason he was like, I, I'm de- Don't put me down as not coming. I may come. He didn't come you. So I, what we started doing was if your competitor doesn't show up, you have a choice. You have a choice to either just take the win or compete against someone else. You chose to take the win. Mock also was there. You could have competed against him. He chose to take the win. Why did you feel that was a better strategy than actually competing against someone else? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess there's no great answer there, Coach. I, I just think Mock and I sort of came to that conclusion together. Like, let's just take the points and, and get a little rest here. And I knew the week before was supposed to be my scheduled bye week. And instead, I challenged Baraji because I think our opponents didn't show up. So, really, I, I was just thinking, you know, maybe I get a, a, my rest in this week, um, you know, my bye weekend, so to speak. And, you know, at the same time, take the uh, the win and the three points. Um, and Mach pretty much felt the same. So, I mean, it's not like we, we, we wanted to do it um, against each other after the fact, but you know, you, you don't allow us to compete if we're not, you know, going head to head. So, which is fair. So, you know, I think it was just really coming down to, you know, substituting that for, for the bye week I, I skipped out on the week before. And I believe that Baraji still to this day regrets yes. challenging you when he didn't have to. Yep. So a couple, you know, fast forward a couple of weeks later, I'm not skipping challenges here, but 
Sarnel's calling me out saying, I'm giving you guys no motivation by actually handing you a win if your opponent doesn't show up. Now, in my mind, I thought you guys were playing checkers and I was playing chess because you know, while you got the win, you didn't hurt someone else like you could have possibly, let's say in this instance, hurt Mock, giving him a loss. Mm-hmm. You also never got the experience of that challenge. Now, I knew we were going to do wheel of spin in the playoffs. And so, spoiler alert, Jimmy Yuski style, in the playoffs, we took all of these challenges and spun a wheel and did them again, right? So whichever one came up on the wheel, we did. So if you had experience in it, you had a leg up. And then the third thing was your standing. If you were tied with someone else, if you didn't beat them head-to-head, one of the tiebreakers was how many real in-person challenges did you do? So uh, something to think about for 2021 people to make that Piparaji decision or to make that Mario Mock decision. I don't know who made the better move. We'll see. Okay, we go on to week six, part two of my, I can't remember what tour I said it was. I hate you tour, something like that. (laughs) Week six was a medicine ball penalty throw through the soccer goal. So my point was uh, we've always struggled to get the field when soccer teams were there. It's been rough. I've actually never seen a a goal scored in my life at that soccer field. So I said, what the the heck? Not what the hell. Uh, let's, let's, Let's see if we can have guys penalty, penalty style, throw the medicine ball through the goal while their competitor was the goalie. Pete, you get your first victory. Finally, you're coming into week six, 0-2. Oh, what gave you the advantage over Billy Blanco? So I, I was watching everyone else. I, we were one of the last ones to go, I believe, or the second to last. And I was watching everyone throw it. And it seemed like the consensus was just aim for one of the um, the edges of the goalpost. And I actually did that my first throw and I think it was blocked and then Billy, uh, I blocked Billy's or he, he missed or whatever the case may be. And we went to a second round and I said, you know what, why not, why not try to go high on the throw? Because I, I, I thought yeah. it would be a little bit harder for as a goalie to defend something that's high because you really, you don't have much force above your head. Whereas if you throw it low and you, you're diving, you have a, a better chance of blocking it. So I, I went high and I just, I kind of got lucky that I went high and I, I threw a perfect med ball throw that was in the top corner of the net that um that billy had no chance for i I probably couldn't do it again if i did it 10 more times so um (laughs) and and just to your point too coach this was a a week that my opponent didn't show up and me and billy decided to just to go do it um but i still think that the smarter move and this is just my opinion despite what you just said i still think the smarter move is is taking the three points that are given to you rather than risk three points to possibly get one so why do you think Blanco decided to do this challenge? I think I kind of just said, hey, Bill, you want to do this? And it seemed like a fun challenge. And at that point, he was just like, you know, let's let's just have fun. Let's do it. And Yuski, you went against Carpentieri, a self-proclaimed soccer guru. <laughs> How'd you beat him? Um, I took the opposite tactic of Amorosi here. So I just wanted – because, I mean, look, this, this ball isn't light by any means. Um, so I, I just took the – approach to keep it low, throw it as hard as I can and try to skip it, you know, at, at, at as close to the goal line as possible. So it kind of changes directions on them. And that's what I did. And I was able to, you know, look high, right, but go low left. And, you know, it just barely on the bounce, he wasn't able to corral it. So he, I think it hit the line right on the, right after it hit his hands trying to grab it. So, you know, kind of worked and I was able to stop his attempt. So sort of one round and, my confidence continues to build. Should be because you're you're five and one heading into week yep. seven. Amorosi, you're one and two heading into week seven. And I'll t- I'll digress for a second. 
one of our old coaches that we coach with who knows Coach Amorosi well. Obviously, if you coach with Coach Amorosi, you've seen him work out. You know he is a specimen. He mm-hmm. had asked me to do something with him on a Saturday morning. I said, I can't. I showed him the website. We're running this league. And he said, what type of – who are the people in this league if Coach Amorosi only has one win? I, I, this is some scary dudes in this league. So back, back to the back to the regularly scheduled program. We're in week seven. We are doing – this is the last uh, last stop on my I Hate You tour. So guys were constantly saying, Coach Mahoney, you need new clamps on the farmer's walk. Uh, first of all, we had new clamps. They just Nothing seems to work. And I, can, I, I witnessed during these drills that no one ever will tighten up the farmer's walk clamp or in between <laughs> drills. So I was getting carpal tunnel the week before that or the two weeks before that, having tightened it up 700 times in a row. And Amorosi is right. If you don't tighten it up, there is some sort of uh, – risk out there right this the weight can fly off the bar can spin up whatever having said that here is the challenge you you have a choice you can either hold a 120 pound farmer's walk for time or you could do a pull-up hang for time you pick both guys go at the same time head to head so uh yuski let's go with amorosi first pete can you remind me did you and mock hang is that what yeah both we both did? hung okay did you did one of you take your sneakers off uh i believe i did i i I'm almost positive it was me just to get less weight on me, as stupid as that sounds. But I think you're talking about just under two pounds. And if you're down to the last few seconds, every every pound helps. What made you pick the hang over the the farmer's walk? Uh, I just, you know, I, I, I'm in the same boat as Jimmy. I think that the farmer's walk is probably me and James is both uh, you know, our arch nemesis. I don't enjoy doing the farmer's walk. I'm not good at it. Um and I, I think Mario's probably lighter than me. And regardless, I said, I think I have a better chance at pull-ups. And I do a lot of pull-ups on my own, uh, especially during that time we were in quarantine and I was training at that field and actually doing pull-ups on that goalpost, uh, you know, just hanging from it and doing pull-ups. So I had enough experience on that goalpost itself that I felt comfortable just hanging. So did you care what Mach was doing or you were going hang no matter what? No, I was going hang regardless. So Yuski, I'm going to ask you the same question because you, you hung from the pull-up bar, and Sarno, your competitor who has uh, the hands the size of I don't know what, he's got the hands the size of King Kong, right? Yeah, he's oven mitts. Yeah. So, so what made you? Is that why you chose the hang? That like you thought you had no shot against him on the farm? Yeah, I mean, I knew I had no chance against Joe in in a farmer walk hold, um, especially since that thing weighs more than me, Coach. So, you know. I just decided to hang. I, I felt like I, I more experience doing that, you know, in the gym, just doing pull-ups and hanging from the bar after my workouts and things like that. So I was much more comfortable with that approach and was kind of hoping that I would edge him out ever so slightly, but I wasn't able to. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't even close, right? Nope. Well, I mean, it could have been. I, I I dropped first, and you know, he he uh, was able to let go on his end, but. Who knows? He probably can hold that thing for two, three minutes. Yeah. Messing with that guy in grip is like a, it's yep. a fool's errand, a complete and total fool's errand. All right. So we're, we're exiting week seven. Yuski is now five and two. Pete has redeemed himself and got himself to a 500, uh, two and two record. We're going into week eight, Halloween, big day in the Mahoney household. And uh, it's a 40 yard slider to a 40-yard sled drag. Now, when I say sled drag, that means you're actually running. You're pulling that sled or dragging that sled behind you. You're actually running with it for 40 yards. The weight on it, it's relatively high, and ground conditions can change how weight, how heavy that weight is, like how heavy it feels, I should say. 
So it was 230 pounds. So Pete, you go against your uh, lifelong buddy, Morano. You beat him by a solid, almost three seconds. I'd say 2.8 seconds. What were your feelings on this? Was the, the slider just brutal? Did it, did it knock you out before you ran? No, I, I'm in the same boat. As Jim said earlier, I'm comfortable doing sliders. A 40-yard slider doesn't scare me as, as, much, it might scare, as, as much as it might scare someone else. But Mike, Mike is a freak, too. So Mike's faster than me. If we sprinted side by side, Mike would beat me anytime. So I think he caught I, – I, we were probably – I was probably five seconds faster than him, I would say, on the slider. But I think he caught a lot of ground on this the sled, the sled drag because he's this faster and generally has stronger legs, and I think the sled drag is easier for him. Um, but um, I, I think that what really got me past Mike was just the ability to do sliders faster than him. And I, I have a lot more practice at at doing sliders than he does. But uh, shout out to Jim. He, me and him were only the only two people that were under 30 seconds, but Jim actually absolutely crushed it. He beat me by two seconds and he had the best time of the day. So great job there. And, and Pete, again, I'll bring up my, uh, my grudge. So you are, you have the number one time in the 50 yard slider, 20.93. You beat me. So I knew going into this that you were going to have a, a pretty good advantage on the 40-yard slider because you beat me on that day, and I, I'm ranked number two. Yuski's ranked number three, but I believe, Yuski, you lost the slider in that random chasing yeah. day, right? Yeah, I'm like the, I popped it at like the 30-yard yep. line out of 50. So, yeah. Yeah. so Yuski, were, were you happy when you drew Moresco on this day, a guy who uh, couldn't hate sliders more than anything else in the world? I, I guess I was happy, but I was more so – not Moresco really the the competitor and sort of what he's good or bad at, but I think he was right on my tail for first place at the time. Um, I think he might have been five and oh or five and one and I was five and two, so I might have had a, a point on him just because of that extra um extra game that I was able to compete in. And like I said earlier, you know, with all these challenges, my adrenaline is just pumping. And I remember I was so dialed into this one because you know, I didn't care who I drew. I was hoping I'd draw, you know, draw Sarno or, you know, or, or Pete, but I drew Moresco. Um, and I know sliders are a little bit more of a challenge for him, but he's been sprinting alongside with me for months leading up to these challenges as well. And I saw how fast he was getting and how just knowing how strong Joe is naturally, you know, running with that sled behind him is probably going to be a breeze. So I knew um, it would be tough. But I, but where I was able to, to get in would probably be the sliders. And I, again, I was just so dialed in. It really didn't matter who I competed on on this day. I was feeling great, and I just went out and crushed the sliders. And I felt like all the work leading up to it would take care of itself on the on the sprints with the sled behind me. All right, so we're going into week nine now. Pete is three and two. Yuski six and two. We're going into what I think might have been the worst challenge. Guys were puking a lot. When I drew it up, I didn't think they puked this much. So it was a 25-yard slider. You get up, and then you do a 25-yard prowler shuttle. That means there and back with 160 pounds on it. Then you do another 25-yard slider. So Yuski, you get an automatic win because your opponent, Trunzo, has now officially bailed out of the challenge. So he had gotten ticks back in – Late September, early October, I can't remember when. So now every time you face Trunzo, you get an automatic win. And this is a great guy to have out of the competition because he is a fierce, fierce competitor. So yep. congratulations to you. Pete, what did you think? Was this the worst challenge there was? Uh, 
Honestly, for me, I don't think it was. This is more of an endurance challenge, I thought, because you needed to have some cardio built in, which is those kind of challenges usually cater to me better. Um, and the people that struggle with cardio that get get tired quickly, um, even the strong guys, this is not a challenge for them because there's a lot of stuff going on here. So once you lose that ability to to move at a fast speed, especially on the last slider, um, that's when their time goes pretty high. And you'll see some numbers here for some of those guys got pretty high. I mean, some guys were almost double my time, which is which is tough. I almost felt bad for them. It's a lot of time on the tension that they had. You got it in 51 seconds, best time of the day. To, In contrast, the worst time of the day was 1 minute and 39 seconds. And that guy's competitor was DQ'd because he was going to throw up in the drill and had to leave the drill. Yeah, it's crazy. It, 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 was, it wasn't an easy challenge, put it that way. But I, I enjoyed that challenge because I, I feel like I, I do well in these types of challenges that require a lot of cardio. That is, it's similar to like the, uh, the tough man challenge where times are going to be closer to 1 minute. So I enjoy these types of challenges, um, but I would have I would have loved to see what James did on this one too. I feel like James would have been neck and neck with me on my time, um, just because that we have a similar skill set, and I think that would have catered to him as well. And I think I think to be fair on this one, Coach, maybe it was another week, but I think Blanco's opponent didn't show up either, and we were toying, and I don't think Billy had a win at that point, and. You know, I kind of want Billy to get a win, so I just took the win, and so did he. <laughs> That's really nice of you, Jimmy. Very nice of you. I'm sure you were both thankful as you were watching Eppinger almost puke in the drill. <laughs> All right, we're going to week 10. Jimmy's coming in 7-2. and two. Pete's coming in 4-2. and two. This is a 35-yard sled race. So I believe you had to do uh, – you had two chains attached to a sled with 225 pounds on it. You had to drag that chain to a certain point. Then when you got to that point, you had to take one of the chains off the sled, run back to the end of the other chain that was there, attach the end of one chain to the other chain, then sit on a bucket and do a sled pull. So there was a lot of dexterity involved, which may or may not have helped while you were in your uh, final challenge. Hint, hint, spoiler alert. Pete, I'm going to – I'll leave you out of this one. I will say that you – because I'm going to speed this up a little bit because you, you, uh, you had a good time, a very good time, but you ended up losing to someone who had the best time, Joe Sarno. Uski, I want to get to you because uh, you guys had to do it going to overtime. What happened between you and Demunda that we had to do this twice? Um, I believe when – so you're running with two separate chains, right, with the sled behind you, and then when you have to take the one chain off um, – you had to clip the chain onto the very last link of the other chain um, and then pull it in. It turns out I didn't clip it on the last link. Um, even though you're pulling the same amount of chain, it's no different. It's just kind of a, uh, you know, the, the letter of the law there with your challenge. And I beat Demunda in time. Um, but I guess instead of a DQ, you wanted us to redo it to punish us even more. And in the redo, Demunda completely fumbled which chain, and I won because of that. Yeah, he put his one chain, he tied it up to itself. Yeah, he tied no it chain. to himself. Yes. So instead correct. of taking one chain and tying it to the other chain and having one long chain, he took yeah, he one clipped chain. He the, the ends of the <laughs> same chain. Yep. <laughs> yep, he was pulling air. He was pulling air. Okay, so now we're going into week 11. Pete, you were lucky enough to draw Trunzo. You won because of ticks. Nice victory to you. Uh, that puts you at a solid five and three. Yuski, you go against Blanco, who a couple of weeks before you were so generous to allow him to have a victory, apparently. 
Yes. This time you didn't care and you smoke them by 10 seconds. So <laughs> the challenge was it was a 10-yard slider to a prowler that had 90 pounds on it to a four, farmer's walk that had 140 back, uh, 40 pounds back on it and then back. So you basically had to do that whole thing and then go back. So you take the farmer's walk back, the prowler back, the slider back. You beat them by 10 seconds. Uh, what were your thoughts on this challenge? Um, it's kind of like a mini, uh, tough man in a way. I thought it was cool. I thought, um, you know, gave a lot of guys, you know, a little taste of, of competing in a, in a tough man, you know, at a, at a small scale. So, and I think it was drone day too. So that was uh, pretty cool as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I gave Bill a win a few weeks back, so I really wanted to make sure I smoked him when I went head to head against him. And the thing that I liked about this was that you had to pick, you had to use those sliders twice, right? So a lot of guys will get up, they'll kick a slider halfway across the field. Well, yes. after you did that farmer's walk, you had to bring it back to where you just, you know, say you're going 50, uh, 10 yards, you're walking back around 10 yards, you're going back to the prowl that you left. Maybe you threw the prowler 10 yards past the end line. Who cares? Now when you finish the prowl, you have to go back to the sliders and hopefully they're sitting uh, right in the same spot. Who knows? Correct. Because a lot of times when you're, when you're finishing your sliders, like you said, you, you basically kick them away from you just to get to the next station. What I was working on leading up to this was sort of, stopping your sliders right after the line you have to get um, and popping up from there so that your sliders sort of stay in place. Um, and yeah, I think that paid off for this one too. All right. We're going to week 12. Jimmy is nine and two. Pete is five and three as we're going into this week 12. Jimmy, you're sitting in at the, the number one seed. You had already clinched the number one seed going in. So I won't even talk to you. You, you did lose to Eppinger, but it, it didn't matter. For you, it didn't matter. For Eppinger, it mattered. For you, it didn't. Yep. Amorosi, it, it mattered for you. And you went against Blanco, who had to apparently go first every single challenge <laughs> and pissed off at me rightfully <laughs> so for it. Uh, this thing was called the Prowler Throw. Can you explain what this stupid drill was? I, I forgot the distance that we had to we had to run. Uh, and essentially what we had to do was push the Prowler. I think it was 10 yards we had. And... At the ten yard mark, we had to release the prowler as far as we can without over uh, overstepping the line. And I think Moresco said it was similar to bowling. So in bowling, you could start as far back as you want, but you can't cross that line, or it's a it's a penalty. And it was yeah, and, and the field was dry, right? Like it was, it was, yeah, it was very dry. dry. That, that day yeah. was very very dry. Guys were practicing before that. And this is what I love about the group. We're, they're evolving. Guys are practicing this stuff on their own. Moresco bought a, a prowler, and it was a wet field. They were throwing it like 15 yards. Not that day. These things are going maybe like four or five yards at best. All right, so we, we wrap up the regular season then, putting Pete at six and three, putting Yuski at nine and, nine and three. And yep. now, Yuski, you're the number one seed. Pete, you're the number six seed. Yuski, let me go to you first, Pete. A couple of times I heard you say, I really don't care what seed I am. Did you did you keep that thought the entire season? And did you did that did your mind change after the playoffs started? Uh my mind did not change. So I did keep that thought. The, the logic for me is eventually you're gonna have to face the best person in, in the group, or you're gonna have to face someone that beat the best person, right? So and, that, and then at that point that becomes the best person in my eyes. So it didn't really matter who you play. A lot of times the goal for any competitive sport is to get into the playoffs and once you're in the playoffs now you're at everyone's zero on zero right so it doesn't matter how many wins you had prior doesn't matter how many losses doesn't matter what your record was at that point you got to win and if you lose you're out if you win you you advance so 
the biggest thing, and it, and it was very, very difficult to forecast, is to try to play uh, against your strengths and try to verse someone who is that's going to be worse than you. But we didn't know what the challenges were going to be. There were so many variables that, that we didn't know and so many competitors that it could have went so many different ways. So rather than get wrapped up in uh, trying to win or lose on purpose, I said, you know what, let's just keep winning. You know, I, I had some momentum under my belt, so let's just keep winning. And uh, whatever happens in the playoffs happens. So, Jimmy, unlike Amorosi, you had a bye week one because you were the number one seed. Were you – did you like that, or did you say, oh, man, I'm going to get rusty from this? I I wanted to go, but, you know, I wasn't – honestly, I, I wasn't upset that I had a bye. Um, it's good to get that automatic, you know, um, to earn that automatic, you know, bid to the next rounds. Um, you know, so, I, I mean, I guess overall – being the higher seed, I, I didn't care what seed I was very much like Amorosi. Um, you know, I competed each week to win, of course, and it just so happened I had enough <laughs> points to be the one seed. But I, I really didn't care because at a certain point, Pete's right, you're going to go against, you know, the top guys as the bracket continues to shrink. The only thing I think, in my opinion, being a higher seed benefited me was having, you know, being able to go last of the group because you start these challenges within one minute of ending our workouts. And sometimes you're dead from these workouts, depending on, you know, what you want to, depending on how mad you are at us. <laughs> and, you know, just being able to recover and recoup for, you know, five, 10 minutes, maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll mess around with some things to give myself an extra minute, you know, really helps. I, I think it helps me a bit. So um I think that's where being a higher seed can pay off, I guess, come playoff time. So let's get into the playoffs then. So ra- so here's what happens. We have that list of challenges we just talked through. I put them all on the wheel of spin. And then uh, every week I have Mrs. Mahoney. She spins the wheel and a challenge pops up, one that we've already done. The first one is that 100-yard kettlebell shuttle that we talked about. Amorosi, you're going against uh, Billy Blanco. He's the 11th seed. You're the 6th seed. You're clearly much faster than he is. The poor guy is a, a nose tackle. You're a DB. Uh, needless to say, you win. But I do want to go back to your point before. Your competitor the last time was Demunda, and he had the second best time of the day, only beaten by Joe Sarno with 23.78. So after your win, uh, are you thinking, are you happy with your time? Or are you like, oh, God, I got beat by two guys? No, I, I was content. I mean, the, the Munda, obviously, this is one of his better challenges. And Sarno's usually at the top of the challenges. So uh, at that point, I really didn't really look at anyone else's time. I, I beat Bill. I advance and on to the next week. So let's let's talk about the next week. You have Pete Baraji, who had a bye. He was the three seed. So we only had uh, 12 guys. That means one, two, three, and four all get a bye. Life is good for those guys. Baraji gets a bye. It is a 40-yard slider to the 230-pound sled drag. Baraji has been in this massive trans- transformation. He's been doing so much better at these challenges. Going into this, do you think you got him beat? Yeah, I, I thought I had him beat a lot easier than it actually panned out to be. I think Baraji showed up that day big time. Um, if I remember correctly, yep. he was flying through the sliders, which you know, a testament to him that he, he was working his tail off for the last – four or five months and, and getting better. And he's one of the guys that he just recently joined our group uh, probably within the year. And he, the transformation he's made to his body and to himself and to these events was, was huge. Even though he started off at a high level, he kept, he kept getting better each week. So he really put up a great time. 
So I uh, can't say too much about too much bad about Pete. Is the rumor true that he lost about a uh, fifteen? You'd have pounds? to ask his uh, accountability coach. That's on. <laughs> oh, it's true. It's true. <laughs> All right, I, I I'm very curious to see how this pans out with him in our next season because I'm seeing how much better he's getting. I, I love it. So then Yuski, you do the same challenge against what I would say to in my mind is the most comparable guy now to you is Demunda because you're both smaller, you're both fast as hell. Uh, you had this overtime challenge before during the regular season, yep. and you, you end up beating him. But it's weird because you smoke him on the slider portion of it. And but he he's really good. He's really fast with the sled, and it looks like you were dying out with the sled. It was it was closer than that number looked. What yes. were you feeling at the end of this thing? Um, I, I guess first to to going into it, coach. I was I I don't know if it was the the workout itself for the day, or maybe it was just one of those days where you're just feeling a little bit off, you know. But I, I felt a little extra fatigued that day, but. You know, I was I was still happy and that I was that there was a slider portion of this challenge. So, you know, really going into it, I I'm not gonna lie, I felt a little pressure being the one seed, my first matchup, and I'm going against a rookie who's you know ten years younger than me more, and I did not want to lose to him. Um, I really wanted to make it to the <laughs> next round, and you know, it was kind of I was kind of putting that burden on me and. I think seeing him go first, seeing all the other guys go first, and sort of seeing how his slider was not as fast as um, I thought mine could be, I said, there's my window. So I, I kind of told myself that. And for, I, I just right when my feet – sort of you kind of know what sliders right off the bat sometimes. You know, what you, you can know right off the bat if you're going to get into a good groove or not. And right when my when I started, I felt I just felt great, and I said, "Just keep going as hard as you freaking can." And I think you told me I had probably the top slider time um, of the group. But then once I got to the sled pull, um, not to make any excuses, I think Demund is great at that. I think he's fast and he's strong as hell. So you know, I give him the advantage on that portion of it. And also, I've been, you know, I've had some issues with some right side lower extremities that. I felt were about to pop in, you know, <laughs> inside my legs. So I, I kind of eased off, but in the back of my mind, I knew I had sort of a time advantage on the sliders. So, you know, it was kind of a calculated risk, but I, I felt good about taking that risk and, you know, it was close for sure. So that, that win gets you into the final four along with Amorosi. You were in the infamous Sarno bracket. So guys are talking the whole time. Like, I don't want to be on Sarno's side. So Sarno, <laughs> You know, he's the fifth seed, but he went undefeated. He's crushing people. My my, this, my nephew, Demunda, thinks of uh, Sarno as like a man-child. And you see Sarno beat Carpenteri. What are you thinking? Like, oh, God, I got to go against this guy? Or are you happy for this competition in the Final Four? I mean, I, it's I, it's kind of like when, you know, in an NCAA bracket, like some big school like Kentucky is going to get a five seed just because they – play a grueling schedule and they're not going to win all their close games. And, you know, at some point like a Gonzaga in the, in that side of the bracket, they're looking at that team. They're like, this really isn't a five seed. And they're, they're kind of looking at, they're circling that game. And I was circling Sarno and, and I knew at some point I'd have to either go against him or, and my bracket or meet him in the finals most likely because he's just that good. 
And, you know, it didn't matter to me when I just knew when the time came, I, you know, had to put up. So we got you and Sarno in one side of the bracket in the final four. Amorosi, you beat Baraji, who's the number three seed. Now you're looking at a Marechko versus Mock competition, except uh, Marechko goes on a bender and misses the workout. <laughs> Mock gets a bye. Are you relieved? Thank God Marechko isn't in, or are you still worried about Mario Mock, who's sneakily? Uh, very, I would very say good? neither. I, at that point, it's the next guy up. And, and to your point, Mock at this point is now eight and one. So, you know, he, I would be remiss in saying if, if, if facing Mario Mock is not a relief at all, because if a guy goes eight and one, he had, aside from Sarno, he had the best um, winning percentage out of any competitor that we've had training with us. That includes James, that includes myself, that includes anyone else. So if you were to say names aside, you're going to go up against someone that's eight and one, it's, it's not a relief at all. But, um, you know, and, 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 Facing Mario, Mario's good at certain things. We didn't know what the challenge was at the time when Moresco slept in. I had no idea what the challenge would be. The only loss that Mario had was against me, so I knew that he had some kind of uh, – he was coming from my head that week because he even brought it up first before I even knew it. He said, I'm undefeated except against you. And I, I said, wow, that's not, that's not the person you want to be playing in the, uh, the Final Four. It's it's a great story. It, the Final Four is a great story because, yes, Mock only has one loss to you. Mock got there because Moresco slept in, and he was angry about that. He wanted to earn it. And then on the flip side, Jimmy Yuski breaks into the advanced training archives and realizes that him and Sarno, despite being the complete polar opposite body types and mentalities, they have a 500, like 50-50 split of wins and losses against each other. So. Yep. We, Mrs. Mahoney spins the wheel of spin, and it comes out to be that Prowler slalom challenge, which Yuski the first time had the fastest time there was. So, uh, Yuski, you go against uh, your, your David, you go against Goliath, and you win. You win by 2.25 seconds, but that's only because Sarno hit a, 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 a what do you call it, cone, <laughs> and then he mm-hmm. like almost hit another cone and had a completely and totally get himself oriented again. And then when he got to the sliders, he almost slid off the field. So there's a lot of variables to this stuff going back to your point about dexterity. But uh, I, I was, what I liked the most about that was when you run, when you won, it just seemed like you had this massive, I don't know it was either happiness or relief or what, but tell me, what were you thinking after you beat Sarno? Um, yeah. I, Sarno and I have, have a good story, competitive history. Um, I know he hates to lose to me and I hate to lose to him. And I think over, I don't know, five plus years of going against each other, um, we were five and five against each other. So it just, this was kind of like that difference in, in sort of head to head and I have immense respect for Joe. And I know going into it, uh, in my mind, I was telling myself I need him to kind of show a little chink in the armor here mess up at least hit one cone and that'll give me my opening and just so happened he hit a cone and that gave me the confidence I, I think I needed to 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 really take that as you know and go as fast as I did and and and, and win it um and then afterwards it was just kind of you know going into it, I really didn't think I had a chance um unless he did something and and it just so happened it, it worked that way and I felt great because I knew it was on to the finals and it's kind of like all the hard work of the last 15 plus weeks paid off in that moment. Um, and I was able to get the time I needed. And Sarno didn't do this. So this is the first time he's messing around with this thing. 
and it yep. looks easier than it is. And remember, there's like little tricks, like you got to go around the outside of this comb. You got to go around the inside of that comb, yep. which brings me to Mario Mach, who also didn't do this, I believe. He was the first person to go in this final four, and he messes up the drill and gets a two-second penalty. Now, it turns out to be a non-factor because Amorosi ends up beating him by about, I'd say, three seconds. Let's, let's round it up to that. So, Pete, what were your thoughts doing this? So, I never this did this drill? one either. Um, I was, I, I think it was my opponent didn't show up that day where I had a buy. Um, so I didn't know what to expect either. Um, and so I think that this is one of those challenges where you have to be calm and collective. You can't go crazy in this challenge because there's a lot of change of direction. There's a lot of, uh, risk involved. If you hit a cone two seconds, as you could see in any of these times. So any of these events, even though they're 45 second times, approximately two seconds can make a break very easily. Um, so I went through the slalom cool and collectively and calm and, and I felt very confident on that. This, unfortunately, once I got out of the prowler, I, I sprinted to the sliders and for the first time, I think ever running to a slider, I, I literally lost my feet and my feet went above my head as, as I was getting <laughs> to the slider, which completely screwed up my foot pla- placement. Um, I was all disoriented. Um, it hurt not to mention that it, it really hurt falling on, on ice cold field on the, on your side of your body. So um, a lot of if I had to do that again, I would not sprint to the slider, and that's kind of what you get yeah. for not doing this challenge previously. To, to your earlier point about why you should challenge versus why you shouldn't just take the win. Yeah, coach, I, I I remember you know another advantage for being the top seed. You know, you can go after watching all these guys go. I remember seeing Pete slip and his feet flying above his head, and Sarno almost slipping too. And I said, I better ease myself up getting close to that line where you have to put the sliders out and go. Um, so that's kind of what I did. And I didn't have to, you know, worry about slipping and sliding and, and could get a clean, you know, start on the sliders. And if I remember correctly, it was like the coldest day in the history of the world that day, right? So the ground was yep. like concrete. Yep. All right. So you guys both win. You're both going into this championship. Now we're not doing wheel of spin. We're going back to the craziness that I, I talked about before. I, I, in hindsight, you probably don't have – you couldn't get two better guys for this challenge, guys who are cerebral. Uh, Amorosi, you kind of do this chain unraveling for a living. Yuski, you're looking up articles and like, going on websites to figure out how to <laughs> untie chains. I'm uh, whipping out college textbooks that actually had a class in and had to not only tie chains but had to untie chains. Anyway – we get to this challenge. Uh, I, I guess I, I want to talk about the first part first, the first two minute part. Yuski, what was your strategy? What were you going in thinking? Like, how am I going to, how are you going to wrap that chain? What was it? What was your strategy of making the worst knot ever? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the other parts of the challenge were kind of going to take care of themselves in my mind. I mean, I, I knew Pete kind of maybe had a slight advantage on me with the farmer's walk. So, you know, I knew this is where I had to make up some time. So, you know, I, I honestly, I did a ton of research, whether it helped or not, on how to tie things around poles, you know, vertical poles and things like that. And, you know, I kind of had a concept in mind of, you know, let's get let's get the chain tied on different sides of the pole rather than focus on just one side of the pole. So I don't know if you watched me, but I kept changing sides on the, the pole and, and pulling the chain through um, and trying to get that chain through as many layers of um, you know, chain that were on the pole at the time. So, you know, and, and ultimately I wanted it to end up where one side of the chain was on a complete other side of, um, 
the post from the other side of the chain. So we kind of had to go on two sides to unravel it rather than, you know, using one side to unravel it. That was sort of my strategy. Well, at first, I thought Amorosi had you. But about a minute into this two-minute time period, he unraveled his entire chain. So, <laughs> so Pete, I think the biggest to- mistake I had was trying to tie the chain high. For whatever reason, this whole week, I was just envisioning tying the chain at, like, eye level. And I, at one point, I was tying it, and the weight of the chain, as it got heavier around the pole, allowed the chain to just fall down the pole. And in that process, it just unraveled. So a minute in... I started from scratch. And at that point, I realized, you know what? I'm just going to tie this thing on the floor so that weight can't deter you from tying chain, tying more knots. Um, And it was just, honestly, that was my biggest mistake in that I tried to tie it too high on the, on the pole. And I didn't get that. I guess I didn't get that first knot good enough. So the whole thing just unraveled on me, which is really a bummer. But at that point, what are you going to do? And as I was researching coach, I was envisioning the same thing Pete was like, I was tying this chain at eye level on this pole. And then it kind of dawned on me, like there's no freaking way you can keep the weight of this chain up there. And so Mike's sort of mindset changed to just keep it on the ground and tie it from there. So, but I was envisioning the same thing for some reason. I am amazed because I, I, that, that thought never popped into my head. Yeah. Yeah, My other, my other thing I was going to do, but it didn't factor in is I was going to tie knots in the chain first. And then tie the chain around the pole. Mm. Um, I thought that you had to untie the chain perfectly, um, so it had to be laying flat essentially and no knots in it. But I think it was a day or two before the challenge. I said, you know, let me ask Coach Mahoney that, and it wound up being that you didn't have to do that. So that whole plan went out the window. So I was I was literally gonna run the the, the chain out and tie knots throughout the whole thing, and then tie that around the pole, which would have you know james would have been sitting there trying to untangle 15 knots throughout the chain but um it, that didn't work so that kind of threw my whole strategy off so pete was it was this tiring that first two minutes was it tiring to no move that chain I, I don't think so i mean it was more i was more frustrated in that i knew that when i was when we were done with those two minutes i said off the bat i said this would be a miracle if i win the challenge it, it was tiring on the fingers yeah though, on the hands like my hands felt it was it more tiring, Jimmy, to untie it than tie it? Mm, more painful, not more tiring. I, I think mo- moving around with that for two minutes was a little more fatiguing than just untying that thing with your fingers. Um, because, that, I mean, like you'll catch certain parts of that and, you know, you're, you're trying to put your fingers in between slight not slight holes in a metal, you know, knot. So. It definitely hurt more. And Jim, you were going back and forth on each side. I wasn't. So that might have tired you out a little bit more. Right. Yep. So, Jimmy, you you get your obviously based, you know, spoiler alert. Amorosi really only has about a minute to tie his chain. You get his chain unraveled first. You get to the sled. What made you decide to put the chain one long chain length versus doing like two handles like you're uh, riding a stagecoach? Um. Uh, honestly coach i really didn't put much thought into that part of it i just wanted to get slap that chain on and get to midfield as you know with without having to get as cute as possible i guess you could say i just i just wanted to pull that thing and then once my strategy once i got to midfield um just kind of pull it in um facing it you know like we would do on a sled pull when you're sitting on a bucket um instead of keep running because then you'd have to run back to where the farmer's walk was so I just wanted to to get it on and get there. So I didn't want to get too cute. 
So for I didn't clarify this before. You have to drag the actual sled, not just the chain. It had the sled has to reach the fifty. Yeah. So I I don't know. I could be wrong, but it just seems like having that chain on the ground, you're pulling the sled and the full chain in the way that you went. I could be wrong. Yeah. But you're saying when you got to the fifty, you stopped and then you pulled with both hands. Yes, correct. Now was that premeditated or it just happened? No, it was premeditated. I, I I knew I wanted to stop right where the farmer's walk was. I didn't want to have to run, you know, I think the chain was, you know, run a few yards past the 50 and then have to come back a few yards. You know, granted, it didn't make a difference at the end of the day, probably. But, you know, that was kind of my strategy at, at that part, especially if it was close. And, you know, you never know. So, Pete, now Yuski's gone. I believe he's like already unloading his farmer, his weight for the farmer's walk. I don't even know if you're even at the sled yet. When do you when do you start freaking? No, out? I or just, do you start freaking uh, at out? that point? It, this comes down to just being, you know, some people would freak out. I'm not the type of person to start freaking out over it. My logic was still I have to get this done as fast as possible. There, there's not much ways you cut time aside from what I did later on with the clips. But in terms of unraveling this thing, um, there was not much I could do at that point. I just had to do it as fast as I possibly can and hope that I could catch up maybe hope that Jimmy messes up along the way or does something. So I'm, I'm just moving as fast as I can without going crazy. If that makes sense. But you, you did, you made up a lot of time because when you unraveled your chain, you incredibly uh, quickly got your chain on the sled. Now you kind of went with the uh, stage coach lasso. Just imagine if you guys, if you're listening, like imagine a guy on a stage coach with two lassos smacking the horses around you did that, but the chains weren't even. Was that they weren't even in length on the left and the right? Was that because you just didn't have I enough think time if I to was, do it? If I was in Jim's shoes, because I had the plan to do that type of method from the beginning, um, hook the chain in the middle so I have two ends to hold it from, um, rather than do what James did, because I, I think that was a disadvantage to James by pulling that sled uh, the full length of the sled, and then when you get to the fifty yard line, you had to pull it in. As opposed to me, I was about two yards away from the sled, so once I crossed, I was only. I didn't even have to move to get the weight off the sled because I was already uh, the sled was on the 50 and I was on the 52 just based on how I held it. But um, ideally I would have evened it out a little bit better because I almost did fall pulling that sled because I was so close to it. Um, but I, I think it was helpful the way I did it because I felt like I had a lot more control of the sled. I feel like I probably did it faster because I had two hands versus, uh, you know, two hands side by side rather than two hands, one over the other, like James did. Um, and I was able to control myself. Once I got to the 50, I had a quick transition into removing the weight. And you you flew. You flew with that sled. And then you legitimately look like a NASCAR guy loading your farmer's walk. On the flip side, Jimmy did okay with the sled. But, Jimmy, were you, were you being really deliberate loading your weight on the farmer's walk? It looked like it, you weren't flying. Like your hair wasn't on fire at that point. Well, no. My, my body was pretty tired at that point, And... My hands were absolutely starting to get crippled um, from that <laughs> chain unraveling slash running with it and then unloading the weight and then loading it on the farmer's walk. And it's cold. You know, you're not wearing any, you know, gloves or anything like that. And then, I mean, I'm just thinking, get get this on as quickly as I can. And I remember picking up the clamps and not being able to feel the clamp, like trying to twist it. I couldn't feel it in my hands. My finger, My hands were that numb. And I'm just like, uh, in my mind, I'm, I think I started to freak a little there because I literally could not turn that clamp as much as I 
you know, you could if if your hands weren't kind of so numb and, and tired. Um, so I, I just got, I just tried to put it on as quickly as I possible, put the clamps on as tight as I could, but not to the point where I was sitting there for five minutes tying them on. And then I just picked it up and went. And I guess it all comes full circle, right? Guys don't like to put the chain on the sled. You had to do that. Guys don't like to tighten up the handles on the farmer's walk. You had to do that. Not to mention you're doing all the same time. Your hands are frozen. You got this Amorosi fighting for his life behind you. Now, did you did you carry that farmer's walk the entire time without dropping it? I did. Um, and about 20 yards in, 25 yards in maybe, I hear all the guys starting to go crazy. Um, for Pete, which told me, oh, shit, he's, he's coming up on my tail. Um, I better get moving. But then as I told myself to maybe step it up a notch, I look down and the weight is the clamp is barely hanging on by a, by a thread. Um, and that weight is about to pop right off this farmer's walk. And I'm like, if I move in any different direction than I am right now, this clamp is coming off and this weight is coming off and I have to sit there and reload it and it's probably going to cost me. So I just said, go as steady as you can from here and just hope you're far enough ahead of Pete that he can't catch you at that point. And I had no clue where he was, but I just, I knew he was on my tail because all the guys were, were freaking out. It's pretty crazy, right? You know, when I set this stuff up, I'm like, ah, everybody's going to be bored. There's a lot of guys not even in the challenge. Are they even going to want to help set it up? And you hear the roar is like a roar of a yeah. crowd of guys. Yeah. Like, why would they care? I don't know. But, you know, Pete, I think it's also hats off to you because you were so far behind. And then you went so fast with that sled and you loaded that weight in like a half a second. And now you elect for time to not put any clamps on. And it looked in my mind like you were sprinting with the farmer's walk. I'm like, he's going to win. Like, he's actually going to be Yuski. So, and yeah, then what I, I mean, at that point, I made the decision. It was on the fly. I never expected to make this decision because – we go 10 yards sometimes with clamps on and the weight almost falls off to go 50 yards without clamps on is probably idiotic. Um, so at that point, I think James was at like the 25 yard line or like 30 yard line already. And I was, I was at the 50 and I'm looking at him and I said, there's no way I'm going to catch this guy putting on clamps. I said, the only chance I have is to not put on clamps and try to sprint. And I I see James is, is kind of laboring a little bit and I don't know what it was. I didn't, I really didn't feel tired. My, I guess because I tied a crappy knot that my hands weren't tired. Like James, James had a great knot. So his hands were tired, but my, my hands were not exhausted at all. I didn't feel much, you know, fatigue at that point. And even, even when I lost the weight about, I probably lost it at like 25 yards or so. I wasn't that fatigued. I felt like I could have kept that speed going through the end. Um, you know, for whatever reason, I think also what, what hurt James too is the way he pulled that sled. I think that's a lot harder of a way to pull the sled than I did. So he put a lot of yep. a lot of uh, tension on his body that he didn't need to. Um, but with that being said, I you know I made the decision to drop the the farmer's walk because I saw James was like five yards out at that point or ten yards out. I was I was pretty close to him, but I didn't want to like I said hurt myself, um, lose lose a tooth from from the challenge, but. Um, I don't think I, even if I would have ran through, the only way I would have won is if James had to stop. So I, I think he had me no matter what. Jimmy, when did you, you heard the roar of the crowd? Did you think it was closer than it actually was? Yeah, I, I'm, I thought he's right on my tail. I mean, it's kind of, I kind of didn't know I won until I was about five yards before the line. And at that point I was just praying to God that this weight 
stayed on the farmer's walk. I was praying for about 30 yards there. Um, and I guess God answered my prayers with that one. How much better is this belt than the original first challenge belt that you won? Oh, my God. Do you even have that first belt or does Sarno still have it? I have it. Um, it's somewhere. I have to find it. But it's I, I can't kind of like I a lot of emotion kind of hit me crossing that line. It was, you know, being arguably the smallest guy in advanced training. Um, you know, I, I can't tell you the amount of texts I got from the guys in the group that I respect a lot saying, you know, you earned it, you worked hard, you know, you're awesome. Like all, all this stuff and coming from your peers who you train with and, you know, you work your ass off with for them to acknowledge that and to see you as one of the, the top guys in the group in terms of being a competitor, you know, that's, it's kind of something I've always strived for um, in my life because I didn't play many organized sports, you know, after eighth grade. Um, I lost a lot of confidence in myself and, you know, I knew I was a good athlete, but, you know, I just, at the time I lost a lot of confidence in myself and, you know, to, to come into, you know, to have you come into my life back in 2012 coach and to take it from there to get back to being this athlete and competitor. I always knew I was and to kind of win, be the first two time challenge champion. You know, I, I'll be honest. I, I kind of felt like crying a bit after winning <laughs> i was just so exhausted but i also really wanted to run over to you and just give you the biggest hug but i know you you have um germophobia <laughs> so i didn't do that and yeah, i'm not with, ryan, with and or I'm without not ryan smith and i'm not ryan smith so you wouldn't just hug me <laughs> um randomly so i kind of just patted you on the back and and said thanks for helping me make history um and you said you're welcome we do a little bit of a backstory here. So, uh, yeah, I don't really hug anyone. Uh, except Mrs. Mahoney, my mom, and Mrs. Mahoney and my mom was also Mrs. Mahoney. But we had a running session one morning. It was a bitter cold running session. And I didn't realize Ryan Smith was there. And I was happy to see the guy. Haven't seen him in a while. So, Coach, yeah, you I ran over to him. You stopped the warm up. You ran over to him in formation, not even like told him to come to you. And you gave him a hug like he was Mrs. Mahoney coming back from a five year. <laughs> and this is mid COVID. And I do us. it again. Mid COVID, exactly. <laughs> I, I burned all my clothes. I burned all my clothes. Oh man! But so no, Pete, honestly, that's that's how I truly felt um, winning. So it was and, amazing. So Jimmy, you know, you you had texted me. I think it was the night before. Like, has there ever been a? I know you don't ask questions. You don't know the answer to. That's why I thought you were messing around with me about uh, creatine today when you asked me the <laughs> question. Anyway, he said, "Has there ever been a two-time challenge champ?" There hasn't been. It's insane to me that there hasn't been. There's been two-time tough man champs. There's been four-time tough man champs. The challenge is always – it comes down to a lot of things like getting lucky, uh, making having the right challenge at the right time, showing up. You know, the tough yep. man, you just got to show up one day. So it, it, it is hard to do. We've been doing this for a long, long time. I think the first one was in 2009. Pete, you haven't won one of these, but damn, you got close. For you, is it like – is it a disappointment? Or is it all right? I'm in. Like, because guys have always regarded you as a top one to two guy. You just haven't won. So I think Trudzo said thoughts? it best. He, uh, I forget the exact analogy, but he compared me to the tennis guy that never came in first, and I'm I'm always the guy that comes in second <laughs> that never never gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 
So that's kind of it. It's always like <laughs> it's always like I'm this competitor that that's always. Com- I, I don't think guys are excited to face me in terms of that's an easy win. Um, and I do feel like I compete week in and week out, but I just haven't got that W yet. So for whatever reason, it's no one's fault except my own. Um, hats off to Jim for winning this. This is this was huge for him. Um, just know that I'm coming at, I'm coming after you, Jim, next time. <laughs> forward to it. Now, one last question for you guys, and I'll ask you both the same question. I'll, I'll start with you first, Pete. Was there any bit of luck? Because luck helps out a lot sometimes. So luck is when uh, preparation meets opportunity. Was there any bit of luck along the way that got yeah, you into the, this final? Yeah, I think the postseason challenges versus who I went up against was extremely lucky. I mean, in my opinion, I always say to myself, if I don't have the best time, even if I wasn't going up against that person, if I don't have the best time, there's a possibility if I versed a person with the best time, I'd be out. And that could be the first round, the second round, third round, fourth round. So, um, you, you know, I think even on the on the flip side, I think there's some luck on James's end that he faced Sarno in the challenge that he did. Because if it, maybe if it was a different challenge, such as the week prior, Sarno would have been beat Uske. So there's definitely luck in terms of who, who yep. you face against what challenge. Um, especially in the postseason, so that's definitely where luck comes into play, and it's just, it's it's all based on chance, right? You you spin the wheel, you um, the the bracket set up by performance throughout the season, then the challenge is picked by the wheel. So there's no one's fault. It's just you know sometimes a little bit of luck helps. Now, Pete, what you didn't know is that the uh, two days before the tough man, sorry, the challenge championship, Yuski and I almost had a fight to the death over. <laughs> Over rain. So, Jimmy, it was your luck that the rain stopped right as this uh, challenge started? Yep. It was pretty uh, <laughs> pretty lucky. <laughs> I would just say this. With this whole rain issue, you're the one that keeps bringing it up time after time. <laughs> That's how I roll. You keep bringing it up, and I just said, Coach, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Let's resolve this matter once and for all. And I... Um, a few good men do in our group chat with Marechko, and and I think I got the better of you. And guys, this is a great time to end the podcast. We may have one on rain and uh, why I don't like to put these guys through training in the rain. Well, that was the argument Yusuke and I had. He he boiled it down to my personal softness, <laughs> and then uh, I was figuring out how I can make Amorosi win the challenge championship the next day as best I could. Fair enough. All right, guys, this was this was awesome. Uh, I, I appreciate you the honesty the whole way through. I actually learned a lot. I'm going to listen to this again and see what I can pick up for the next time around. Pete, thank you for the awesome suggestion for the 2021 challenge. we got some really good ones coming in, so that is an awesome pickup by you. Any closing thoughts before we punch out? Jimmy, you got any last words for the group? Nope. Thank you, Coach, for everything. Thanks to all the competitors for bringing it every week. Um, you guys are what make AT great, so thank you. Uh, just want to congratulate Jim words. again. Um, hats off to you. Well-deserved. Nothing you could take away. Nothing anyone could take away from you from this. And I hope that it motivates you to just do better next time through. But, Coach, thanks for putting everything together. Without you, none of this is, is happening at all. So we all appreciate everything that you do for us. Um, and then uh, hopefully that 2021 season, um, we get a lot more co- competitors and we, we have a great year. So thank you all. Yeah, I'm going to close this one out with uh, Demunda has predicted he's winning the whole thing in 2021. And as the great Coach Mano said, That's just it. show up, baby. Just show up. This episode is brought to you by the Nutrition Treatment Center. Are you feeling tired, fat, bloated, weak? 
yet at the same time, you're training like you've never trained before? You're eating cleaner than you've ever eaten before? Well, maybe you're doing everything right, but there's something wrong inside your body that's counteracting all the good things that you're doing. It's kind of like driving down the Garden State Parkway with your foot on the gas pedal, but you're not getting anywhere because the parking brake's on. And in the world of nutrition, that parking brake could be food sensitivities. For example, you could be eating grilled chicken, but it's actually making you fat. Or you could have a micronutrient deficiency. If you're feeling tired, fat, bloated, weak, and you think you're doing everything right, go visit our friend Dr. Tom over at the Nutrition Treatment Center. If you tell them that Advanced Training referred you, he will take 25% off your first consultation fee. This man legitimately changed my life. He brought me from, and I'll just say the numbers, 19.5% body fat, a guy who trained all the time, down to 12% body fat. I lost weight while eating more, and I've never felt better. And I'm, I'm an old man now. I'm not a young man, and I've never felt better. This guy saved my life. I 100% believe in what he's done. Again, visit Dr. Tom over at the nutritiontreatmentcenter.com.